to free beers and a movie. Nice. Hello, welcome to episode 106 of Three Beers and a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Barry Neal. Barry, where are we today? We are in a special Richard cave. <laughs> that sounds very ominous. <laughs> we're at home. Yes. I'm at, we're my home, specifically. It's a home edition. Yeah, because like, we've never done a home one where we're both in the same house. You're right, yes. Yeah, it's quite, yes. it's quite unique. Normally we're on the phone if we're doing it at home, so yeah, exactly. thank you for dropping by, Barry. I know you've got a flight tomorrow to catch very early. Yes, uh, leaving the house at four o'clock, so that means <laughs> up at three-ish, oh. half three-ish. I will most definitely be sleeping. I have a day <laughs> off tomorrow, I'm going to watch Stranger Things, I'm going to be sleeping until then. Lovely. We'll get to that in a minute. Yes. Um, are you drinking anything tonight? No, just the finest tap water. Because you're driving? Yeah, so I'm going to have a cheeky pint at the airport because it's obligatory. I mean, I, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a traditional, I don't know if it's a, a British thing or a Scottish thing. I think it's maybe just a Scottish thing. You think so? Maybe. I don't, well, it depends. It could, I think it's probably a British thing, but obviously we only really see Scottish folk doing true, it. True, true, true. You know, it's usually in the weather spoons while you're getting your breakfast, you have a pint because it's a unique thing. Because I like to hang you because you can you can't drink in Scotland though. Is it twelve? Ten. Ten. Well, you can buy alcohol at ten. So I don't know if bars open at eleven or something. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you can't drink till later on the day. Whereas in the airport, you can drink any time you want. <laughs> Hurrah! <laughs> Hurrah! And we take full advantage of it because <laughs> we're all secret raging alcoholics. Oh, yes. So since we're not drinking anything, Brady, we'll start talking because I think this week it's more about me convincing you. Yes. To watch things because you've not seen much. No, uh, it's been another hectic week at work, so. So I've not seen too much. So, but we'll start with. Have you been watching anything at home? What, what have you watched of interest at home? Uh, just recently today. Uh, first thing this morning, I watched the first episode of the new season of Stranger Things. Okay, do not ruin it because that's my entire no, day tomorrow. No, no, I was never going to ruin it because I, I know it is literally just out today. Yep. So, as always, Netflix style, the whole season's available nice for you. One. But I wanted to at least catch something yep. to bring to the table tonight. Uh, early first thoughts? Picks up exactly where... Well, if I, actually, that's a lie. It doesn't pick up where the second season left off. It's There's a time jump. That is a time jump. I think it's like maybe a year. Right. It's like the following summer. Right. They're certainly in the summer period anyway. Uh, But I do always like how Netflix does that little season recap. Yes. Just to get get reintegrated in the world. I loved it. Yeah. And because there's almost a year gap in between the seasons, I find it very helpful. Oh, you totally need that, yeah. You know, just to pick it back up again, get you right back into the... The world of it all. Yeah. 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 Uh, Early thoughts. I'm... Looking forward to going home. I'm probably going to end up watching like a few episodes tonight nice. if I can't sleep. So yeah, um, I think it's going to do well. I think this season it's got a good tone already. Got right, nice, nice cat eighties summer vibe going on to it. You know, all the old old Amblin movies almost that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Are you a fan of the Stranger Things generally? I am. Yeah, I'm really enjoying this. It's been a bit of a kind of dark horse, <laughs> a dark horse for myself because it's something that. I probably wouldn't have really have went out my way to watch yeah. unless it wasn't for folks saying like you know, to watch this or Stacey saying like we're watching this yeah. but I found myself really enjoying it and getting kind of right into the world of it all because yeah. it is actually really good you know and even like even in the newer season you can see the kids have aged so, appropriately as well yes yeah. so the things they're doing you're kind of like yeah actually that's kind of on point we kind of like what I was doing at that I, age the first season they start off they're essentially kids they want to yeah. play games they want to be kids yeah. by the time you get to the second season they're starting to notice things like girls and they're starting to become mm. like sort of they're hitting that pre- like pubescent stage where yeah. they're sort of 
well, they're at that point in life, and I imagine at this point in life, it's even far on. I think some of them get jobs in this one that start. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, they're, they're re-entering that world with like that extra level of independence that they would, mm. that you get when you get a job, and you start getting your own money, and you start becoming like more of an adult, even though you're still a child to a great degree. Mm. Um, I love senior things. I like the first season I watched in one sitting. Nice. I just absolutely battled through it. Yeah. Um, second season, I think it was much the same. I absolutely loved it as well. Yeah. Um, and in this season, I'm I'm anticipating I'll probably do the same because it's really as the way people watch Game of Thrones and get really invested in that. This mm. is my version. I absolutely love this. It seems like it's aimed, yeah, specifically at me. Yeah. Because it has all that eighties like sort of Spielberg, Stephen King, uh, yeah. Amblin sort of attitude, which I am a huge, huge fan of, and yeah, I yeah. basically grew up on that. So when it, when I see it, I'm like, this is this is all for me. And I just love the intro music. It's yeah, there's something just kind of sinister yeah. about it. You're just like, wait, and see the thing is, see the minute it starts, you know exactly what it is. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's very. They've, they've like, got unique. they've nailed the tone down in this yeah. show for. I've only watched the first two seasons. I've not watched the third one yet. But mm. the tone of they seem to nail the tone down very well. They know exactly what the tone is. They know exactly what kind of story they want to tell. Yeah. Um, some things get a little bit, sections get a little bit muddled with them trying to like expand the mythology of it a little bit because yes. obviously they maybe weren't expecting the first season to be quite as massive a success as it was. Mm. So I think maybe the third season might, might have been maybe they found the legs again. From yeah. what I've heard, yeah. Uh, obviously, I haven't watched watch the first one episode. episode, but uh, this isn't a spoiler in any way because I can't piece it together where this falls in. But straight off the bat, after the opening credits, it cuts to some sort of laboratory. Yep, and then. It unwinds within five ten minutes, and it's actually like in Russia. All oh, right, okay. And you're like, huh? So what's going on? Have they started it? Ah, uh-huh. because you see them firing a cannon at a wall, and you see one of the tentacles coming out. So you see the, the upside down again, or you see something that leads to the upside down. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like I said that's not spoilers. That's no, not no, 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 the upside like down is there. Five ten minutes of yeah. the opening scene. And it doesn't. It doesn't really explain anything. Right, it's just, there's, some, there's, there's scientists playing around with us, but you're I, trying to work out a... is that is that the very very beginning, or is that like is that happening like now, oh. but just in a different part of the world? I think the idea of like the upside down being accessed by other scientists is not a completely insane idea, you know, because mm. like the idea that the Americans found it, so it stands to reason that in the 1980s during the Cold War, yeah, the Russians were looking for it as well, yeah, and they would be. They might be spying on the Americans. If the Americans have found something new, they'd be wanting to try and get find out what it is. Maybe to try and either beat the Americans to it or weaponize it in some way, which mm-hmm. makes total sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so you're gonna you're gonna continue watching. Absolutely, absolutely. Depending on what how I'm feeling tonight, I might even try and get a cheeky couple of episodes in as well. Did you notice how many it was? I didn't. I honestly didn't click on, uh, like how many episodes. Cool. Unfortunately, what was seasons one? I think and two? twelve or thirteen, maybe possibly. Right. They're probably going to get the same run. Oh, run, yeah, okay. If anything, it might be maybe a wee bit shorter, maybe 10 episodes, but I can't see that happening. No, I think, I think 11, 12, 13 no. is absolutely fine. Um, anything else of interest you've watched? Uh, just this afternoon, uh, my buddy put on Batman Ninja. Yes. Which I had never even seen before. I haven't, hate to say it, but I've never seen any of the animation Batman movies. Not seen any DC animation? No, no. DC I... animation is generally very good. Yeah. And this is what I was kind of because uh, my two pals had actually like, seen quite a lot of them, mm. and I was and I'm struggling to understand with why are these. I've always heard good things about yeah. the DC animation, but what I can't understand is why are they so popular, but yet the movies just are so 
hit and miss. It's, it's a question a lot of people ask, you know, yeah. why not get the guys who are involved in the animation stories to yeah, move over to the, 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 the um, live action. I think the problem with the DC, not the problem, I think the, the issue they would have with them is I think the animation ones are maybe a bit too inside baseball. You know, it's too much, but you need to have maybe more of an inside knowledge of the Batman characters, a lot more yes. sort of throwaway references, a lot more sort of you need to know stuff to know stuff yep. to understand it. Yep. The Batman live action stuff, they make it trying so that any, so you, you, your mum, your gran, anyone can watch it. They're not, they're not want people to be Batman fans. They want the whole world to watch it. And I know, like in recent times, our movies have came with like their own problems leading up to the final product. Yeah. With like directors walking away, script changes, which yeah. never helps any no, movie. No. But you're still just sitting there, like, why are these so popular? Why is your live action stuff not yeah. hitting the same mark? Yeah, agreed. Um, I think that Kevin Smith always said he, when he was went to DC at one point, he was working with them, and he said, "Why he's not like the comic book guys do the movies?" And he said, yeah. "Oh no, that's different. We don't like we don't cross streams." It's like these guys know the characters better than yeah. anyone else in the world. They write them on a weekly basis, and they've got to churn these things out. They know how to deal with these characters. Why not let them do it? Um, but anyway, Batman Ninja, you you liked? I did. Uh, I didn't think I'd like it. Yeah. It's right out there. Oh um, yeah, it, it throws everything at you. Yeah, it's. You're just sitting there like, what is even going on yeah. half the time? But it's very enjoyable, um, especially when all the wee monkeys turn up. When there's mon- massive <laughs> monkey is for not is one of the greatest things in, in animated cinema. Um, uh, do you think the issue I only had with it was it felt like it was rushed at times, like it something that could have yeah. been a, a series? Down. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, have because it's obviously Batman is basically transported back to um, yeah. like feudal Japan. Mm. Um, and all these rogue gallery of bad guys own a set like sort of a warlords of a certain part of Japan, mm. and he seems to, as Batman does, blast through a lot of them kind of relatively quickly to an extent. Yes, it doesn't kind of explain why they're in that region or nothing. It's just I mean, you don't need to know that, but I feel like you could you could have maybe the first season, the first episode could have been him taking on the Penguin, mm. sex scene for him taking yeah. on yeah. someone else, blah blah blah. Um, the scene with the Joker and Harley Quinn, I think, is amazing. But yes. when it's when it's like sort of the Joker a reformed Joker to some degree mm. and it's like you're, you're trying to work out is he is he reformed does he know who he is and it's like even Batman trying to figure that out I think that and the animation for that is absolutely stunning yeah I think the animation of the whole thing it uses like three or four different styles yeah it goes to like sort of the old like almost woodcut yeah like sort of very... I, that was I found that quite jargon yeah just because of when it appears it's nothing against that style but just because it, the stuff that came before it and after it was so well done, yeah, and this is a bit more rougher, very simplified as well. Yeah, yeah. I was just a bit like, I was trying to work it out. Is this like some sort of kind of like dream sequence yeah, yeah. going on? It's got that. It's certainly got that look and about it. Yeah, you throw look about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. but so I, I think it's an excellent version yeah. of Batman, and I would definitely thoroughly. And it's very enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, and I definitely thoroughly encourage you to to check out more DC yeah, yeah. animated. Oh, it's definitely spurred me on. Yeah, uh, I've it's just dawned on me as we're talking about animation I watched I've started watching one other thing that's right. appeared on Netflix I don't know why it was recommended to me because I don't watch any like anime or nothing on Netflix okay but as far as I can tell this has just been added uh, Neo Genesis Evangelion oh, what's this about? <sighs> okay <laughs> I watched this when I was like a teenager and it melted my brain. Oh, it's an old show. It's not. Is oh. this a revamp? Or just, just no, a... this is just to put it back. Okay. put it on Netflix. Um, like this is like next level craziness. But the general premise of it is, it's kind of like religious based, right? And what's happening is there's these kids 
there's these angels that are coming to Earth and they're destroying the place. Right. Um, and then there's these kids who get put into these giant mechs and then they start fighting the angels and then... A, and that, this may be the start of Scientology. <sighs> pretty much. <laughs> I think this is even harder to follow than... Scientology? Like, yeah. I think Scientology is pretty, pretty much a straight line <laughs> compared to this. But you pretty much get your head around that but then all of a sudden it starts taking an even weirder turn for the worse and it's like very heavily like religious based and it's I wouldn't say just Christianity but it, like, it's certainly a lot of that way I think it's like 12 angels okay. I think it is whatever the bible reference is to the angels that's how many there is and okay. there's these mechs that I think that if I remember rightly from when I watched it in, way back I think one of them become like an angel as right, well. Okay. And there's lots of like imagery in it uh, with crosses and all that and the way they die and all that. It's all very much like... Is crossing. this anime or is it... Yeah, yes, yeah, it's anime. So when did, how, what made you watch this? Did you watch this when you were a kid? I watched it when I was a teenager. Right, okay. And then I hadn't ever really thought about it since then. And then, like I said, i just seen it pop up. It was like a recommendation for me. Right. And I'm like, huh... How does that know? Netflix knows yeah, too much. It does. But yeah. like I said, I don't watch any anime, so uh, it's got no reason to... To push that on you? Yeah. But I was just like, you know what, I'm going to watch this. Yeah. And so I've watched the first two episodes again, and I'm like, don't get me wrong, it is rough. Oh, like, it's, 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 it's like from 95. It's like when you watch the old X-Men TV yes. series, which I love, but it's like you watch it go, that is some rough animation. Yeah. You know? so this is very much in the same kind of ilk, right, okay. uh, but very enjoyable, and I'm hoping... That I have a better understanding of it now that I'm a, an actual proper adult. Was it made for kids originally? Was it made for no? A, no it's made for more for a teenager. Aye, this is a proper like teenager stroke adult and like anime. Right. Okay. Uh, and what's it called again? Sorry. Uh, Neo Genesis Evangelion. Neo. Aye, as in N E O N Genesis Evangelion. N E O N Neon Genesis. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll look out for it. Evangel Evangelion. Evangelion. I will look out for it. It seems like an interesting watch. The, oh, the animation is like that kind of old school, like manga style, a uh, kind of Ghost in the Shell, yeah, yeah, yeah. stroke kind of era. Oh, okay. So it's it's beautiful looking, yeah. um, but my god, the, the story just melts your brain. Cool. Yeah. So don't <laughs> don't watch after a few pints. No, no. Well, it might make it clearer. Okay. I don't know. Or get, get really stoned and watch it, and it might make it a lot clearer. Maybe, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's like people. Um, what's the one that's getting redeveloped just now by um, Tika Waititi? That the, the, the sort of ultimate anime film. Uh, Akira. Yeah. yeah. That film makes no freaking sense. No. I've watched that two or three times, and I've never been able to understand yeah. that film. I've, I've done the same. Yeah, and it's like it just completely goes by. I'm going like I do not understand the fuck's going on in this film. Um, so the fact of redeveloping it and doing it in a, like a live action American version seems like. Maybe risky because you've got to try and that's a hard story to try and knock in. Especially because that's the that in Ghost in the Shell is how a lot of people end up watching manga yeah. uh, and get into that world. They're like the two kind of prominent ones, like, hey buddy, I'm gonna stick on some manga, I'm gonna get you into this, mm. this is what I'm gonna show you. Yeah. Cause I think those seem to be they're built upon imagery. Maybe you don't understand the story, but it's yeah. the imagery you can you can all you can identify the imagery of it. Mm. I think that's the big that's a big thing about it. Yeah. But yeah, so Neon Genesis, Genesis Evangelion. Evangelion. Neon Genesis Evangelion. You have to maybe text me the name of that. And I'll, I will... I'll send you the picture of it so you know what to look for. Yes, I will do that. Because uh, there's, there's the actual TV series, but then there's also the 
club together movie which is like the end of right, okay. uh, Evangelion on Netflix now as well but you're better watching the TV show because of what, uh, what the story is it's more spaced out in episodes rather okay. than this club together best of movie thing awesome I'll look forward to that one yeah uh, um, one thing I've watched at home because I've been away as well yeah, um, yeah. was The Year of the Rabbit which is a oh, yeah. comedy thing on yes. Channel 4 have you watched it? Uh, no but we spoke about yeah. it off mic I think uh, two weeks ago yeah so it's, it's Matt Berry as a detective in Victorian London nice trying to investigate like a murderer and many other crimes um, it's it's very funny it is hit and miss at times there is some of the jokes just fall kind of flat okay but when it does work it's very funny I find Matt Berry a very entertaining actor he is He's got a great voice. Um, it's a shame that he's got such a powerful voice that you you recognise it straight away, but he's just, unfortunately, he's just one of those guys that I don't think will ever break the... Operationals. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's doing well. He's doing, he's obviously he, got, does, he does a lot of theatre, I learned. Yeah, apparently, yeah, apparently that's where he, he came big, first yeah. of all. Um, I've never watched Toast of London that he's in. It's an on Netflix one. It's not, net, not maybe Netflix, but it's on Netflix. Um, I think it's about a strong actor in London. Oh, I watched that. It's actually really good. It's really funny, yeah, it, yeah. It is genuinely really funny. I watched it when it was on um, Channel 4. Right, okay. Highly recommend it. Right, I'll... Because he is... You can see where... If he hasn't had a hand in writing it, he's certainly been an overcasting shadow yeah. with the script. And you can see... You're like... How much of this is your life? Yeah. Well, you get a bit of... When you get you're a rabbit, you can see a lot of... It says a dialogue. It's written by someone, but he says it's with with um, with assistance from Matt mm. Berry type thing. So you can tell that he's definitely shepherding this, and, and he's put a lot into it because yeah. he is the the driving force behind it. And the whole show does sort of thrive on his portrayal of the rabbit character. Mm. Um, but it's funny. One of the things that really good in jokes. It's um, you know, there's like a there's some weird guy preaching on the corner, and his name's like Nigel Farage or something. <laughs> like that. You're like, ah, oh, she's like that's quite funny. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of stuff like that. So it's it's, it's Quite witty. It's quite. Um, it's taking a pop shot at like life now. Mm. Um, you know, kind of the feminist movement as well. So it's it's in a good way. But yeah. it's it's very funny. I, I giggled a lot at it. Cool. Um, hopefully, another season. But it does. It's one of the ones you can maybe. It's very watchable in your time, but it is kind of forgettable after. Yep, I'm with you. You yep. know what I mean? You, you yeah, maybe yeah. won't buy it in Blu-ray or D- it's not going to last. From what I can tell, in my mind right now, it's not like an IT crowd or a black book. So no. not where I'm going to like want to watch it again, again, again. Yeah. But for the six episodes it was on, I watched it. I found it like very entertaining. Cool. Yeah. Nice. So before we move away from Matt Berry, I need to make this recommendation for yourself. Okay. And anyone else that's listening, pick up his autobiography, but more specifically the audiobook. The audiobook. Does he do it himself? Yes. yes. I have never laughed so much in all my life because it's a sprinkling, a sprinkling of his life, uh-huh. but also a sprinkling of like just fictional moments that are happening. But it's wedged in between true stories, right? Okay, and it's just hilarious, and it's because he's doing it, and you're hearing his voice. It's fucking genius. So it's like the you're listening to the the partridge one. Yeah, same uh, idea. Like yeah, that. Yeah. It's just like it's just brilliantly funny. Like, yes, insanely funny. I will look out the. What's it called? Matt Berry. Do you know what the name of it is? I'll get it afterwards. You can let me know what it is. Yeah. Um, I'll look for that one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's all the home viewing. So we'll move on to the cinema viewing very quickly, and we'll try and we'll part through because I said bad is a good place to be. So it's been directed by Josh Cooley. This is, this is his directorial debut, so uh-huh. like nice one and a half. But yes, part of like the the Pixar brain trust. He wrote, um, what did he write? He wrote uh, Inside Out. Okay, nice. so yeah, yeah. I think did you like Inside Out? You've not seen Inside Out. I did like it. That, like that's the one with the in the brain. And yeah, the, the emotions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I he, did. Yeah, I liked it. So wrote that one. Um, 
plot of this film is it's different from the the, the old ones. This is it's set pretty much straight after Toy Story three. Okay. So, um, Andy's now gone. All the toys are with Bonnie, mm-hmm. the young girl, and she's she likes to play with the toys. But there's a bit of a change in dynamic. She doesn't play that much with Woody. So Woody's now sort of left in the closet sometimes. She plays with all the toys. So Woody's sort of dominant position has has slipped. Yeah. He began to feel a bit left out, but then he sees. Bonnie's going to her first day of kindergarten. He goes to kindergarten. He sneaks into kindergarten with her to try and make sure she's okay, as yep. the toys do now and again. When she's there, she makes a toy called Forky, <laughs> which is basically a fork, a plastic spork with basically uh, little bits of plastic put on it, and, and she writes her name on them before he becomes a toy. He does not know he's a toy. He thinks he is trash. Ah. But he is the one thing that Bonnie likes, and, and she helped her through her first day of kindergarten. So it becomes Woody's job to try and keep him alive, so oh, that he, nice. so that so, so that um, Bonnie can survive kindergarten essentially. On that, there's a road trip element as well. They go um, and what, on that road trip, they run into another villain who is a, a doll who's trying to steal Woody's voice box. They also bump into Bo Peep from the other ones, and it's um, it's her trying to sort of teach Woody about the idea of being a lost toy isn't a bad thing. Sometimes mm. those who are not all those who wander are lost, as, yes. as J.R. Tolkien tells. Um, this, is, this sounds like it's got quite cat. It's got a lot of threads in it. Yeah, yeah, they're all kind of they're all kind of moving throughout the whole film. Um, in the film, you've got obviously Tom Hanks playing Woody, Tim Allen playing Buzz, Buzz, uh, Annie Potts plays Bo Peep, um, Tony Hale from if you know Rest Development, yeah, the idiot brother who's ah nice. He plays Sporky or Forky, sorry. Um, Keegan Michael Key and Jordan Peele, nice. who play these this sort of these sort of like badass teddies who are joined <laughs> at the hip and. <laughs> And believe it was a conspiracy, and and, want to, and and don't believe and think, but also think the toughest people in the in the, the entire world. Uh-huh. Um, Christina Hendricks, who I realised I like her voice as much as I like her, nice. um, plays like a Raggedy Ann type doll that wants to find a home, but is a kind of a bad guy as well. And the, the probably the MVP of it, as we all know, he would be, is Keanu Reeves playing Duke Kaboom, Canada's greatest stunt motorcycle, who's a kind of evil can evil, nice. who's, who's struggling with life because. He can't do what the advert said he could do. <laughs> so the advert has him like jumping over like yeah. you know, like you know, fifty cars, and he's like, Neow. and that's and it's you know, it's, you know, you know what I'm talking about. The, the evil can evil talk. It's yes. barely, barely clear anything. And it's even the same today when I found myself like with my nieces and I had on the television, and like kids cut uh, adverts popped up, and you do and you do see it as like Lego and everything and else, and there's like all this like kind of props and all yeah. that, and you're like. Yeah, that'd be great but, if, if I had that, but that's some amount of imagination. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, this one is a new direction for Toy Story because okay. it's, it's breaking away from the Andy Bonnie, mm. or from the Andy story moving on towards Bonnie. Yeah. So it becomes a slightly different dynamic and because of that, the for me anyway, the emotion wasn't there. I feel like you're probably the same. We grew up, we all, I mean, Toy Story came out in 1994, so we were only like nine years old. Yeah. So we all kind of grew up with the Toy Story world. We all grew up and by the time Toy Story three hit, we're all kind of ready for like say like for a goodbye, and it was all felt like we're all kind of waving goodbye to yeah. to that point in our life. And that kind of what it felt like to me. Yeah, to like, me very much so. Yeah, the third it, movie felt like it capped the story off, and yeah. that was that. And I think we all kind of felt like that, and it felt like that was where we're all we're at. Mm. Um, so, to me, I did not feel as emotionally attached to this film as I did towards the other ones. Okay, which might be more sort of problem with myself as opposed to the filmmaking. Yeah. And other people who have felt emotionally drawn to this film, people who are a bit younger, 
have because you know they're Toy Story is, is a different Toy Story. Yes. Um, it is at times very funny mm-hmm. as all as all Pixar films can be. Yes. New characters, they all fit into the world, which I think was good. Yeah. They all bring a freshness to it at times. There's a there's sort of um, these henchmen who are like ventriloquist dummies who are <laughs> absolutely terrifying, which I think <laughs> worked really well. Like I said, Keegan Michael Key and uh, Jordan Peele, the sort of stuffed toy combo, very very funny, um, and it, it, that helps to just like freshen up because you've kind of been with other characters for a, for a long time, mm. but the, by trying to give all these new characters something in it, you feel that some of the characters, the the, the like beloved ones, are pushed to the side, are ignored a little bit. So yeah. like Buzz has almost no role in this film whatsoever. Oh. It's very much Woody's story. Yeah, and. To me, the dynamic of Toy Story has always been the Buzz and Woody dynamic. Yes. At the, at the very core of it, it's like sort of that's the two main characters. So when you have one, and for the most part, they're not even together in the film. Hmm. So when you take the two of them away from each other so much, it, 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 it loses something that is quintessentially Toy, Toy Story. Story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's what, what was my big issue with it for the most part. I didn't have that same emotional attachment because of that. Yeah, okay. Um, the ending, which I'm not going to spoil for anyone, does leave it in a very strange way of where to go next with it, because then it, it leaves it in a completely, a completely different non-Toy Story way. Oh, wow. Okay. Which I think they'll struggle to pick up from it. I mean, obviously they're better story pictures than I am, mm. so maybe they can they maybe get an idea for what, if they're going to do number five, what it will be. But that's what I was just about to ask you once you had finished. <clears throat> do you see this as like a, a second phase of the series? Possibly. With Bonnie? Possibly could be. Um I, I don't know what they'll do next with it, to be honest. It does seem to be going in a, in a very different direction now. Okay. Um, so I'm interested to see where they do go with it. I feel, like I'm being, I feel like I'm being a bit negative on this film. It's by no means a bad film. No, it's, it's a, Pixar. It's Pixar. It's a very good film. It's a very enjoyable film. It's just. It's definitely not the upper echelon of the Toy Story films. Yeah, and we've kind of discussed this in other episodes as well. Um, Pixar don't make bad movies. They just maybe make, maybe not, like, Pixar standard movies. Yeah, I think that's yeah, Sometimes every now and again they take a wee backseat and yeah. they just don't hit the same mark. Yeah. But they're still absolutely amazing animation movies. Oh, that's, I mean, that's, some animation is, is phenomenal. If you look at this, I've seen my cat in it. Mm. If you look at the cat and the animation on that cat, it's fucking amazing. Yeah. It's really, yeah. It's, it's really when you watch what they had with the dog in the first Toy Story mm. to where they are now, yeah. like, that is unbelievable. Mm. Um, I also think Toy Story 3 is probably one of the greatest trilogies in cinema. I think it's, it's, a, it's a, a perfect trilogy because one was brilliant. Yeah. Two is actually better than one. Yeah. And three is better than two. Yeah. So to go, to make every film better, it'd be, it'd be a tough ass to make number four better. Mm. And I felt it still stands better than Cars 2. Probably got my Pixar selection now. <laughs> probably better than, probably on a par with Bugs Life. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, which yeah. Bugs Life's a completely enjoyable yeah, Pixar movie. Yeah, you know nothing wrong with it whatsoever. Um, so yeah, I I enjoyed it, but I definitely have not. And maybe that's what I was, maybe I was looking for that emotional attachment to it, and that emotional and yeah, that emotion, and I never got that at all from it, which is a bit of a shame. Because you're going in with the cab, you're wanting to feel that kind of emotion with it because you have ran with a series for so long. Yeah, you know, and I think just because the cab di- the dynamic and the story had changed. From the sounds of it, quite significantly. Yeah. It does maybe it has maybe not been catered for the people who enjoyed Toy Story from the very beginning. This is them maybe trying to bring in a new wave of Toy Story fans, like people like my nieces, possibly. Yeah, who are possibly. like maybe almost new to the franchise, even though it's number four. Yeah. They're wandering in, seeing a girl, if that is a reference to Andy, 
they probably won't question it too yeah, much. No, you're absolutely you right. Know? Absolutely right. But out of ten, seven and a half. No. So completely serviceable film. Yeah, yeah. Like no issue whatsoever with it. And if you get a chance to watch it, by all means watch it. Yeah, but yeah. just I I wasn't quite as attached to this bit of But I have had people who absolutely adored it. Yeah. So it maybe does have people have it different ways. I just didn't quite get it. Okay. Right. Quick side question. Which what's your least favourite Pixar movie? I'm I hate to say it because it's got my favourite kind of animal in it. But I'm gonna say Good Dinosaur. Good Dinosaur. I think I think I even got it on, on Blu ray. I don't even think I've ever seen it. Yeah, it, it, it really felt like a missed opportunity. Mm. Cars yeah. three isn't great either. No, I can't tune away from cars after. Yeah, the first I mean, one I'm not that car guy, so that's maybe. But um, it's a it's a it's a podcast itself discussing Pixar. Yeah, um, we can do a special on that one <laughs> one day. Um, but yeah, I would probably say if we're going to pick one, I would probably not watch again. It would probably be a good dinosaur I just I didn't really engage with that and I wanted to I wanted to love that uh, film so much because you love dinosaurs I'm a big dinosaur fan and you're a big Pixar fan yeah so I, it just seemed like this film was made for me <laughs> um, but yeah so maybe that's maybe the one I would be um, sorry I'm going to temper my answer I'm going to change it from good dinosaur to finding Dory yeah uh, yeah finding Dory just stunk of sequel not required not needed yeah and I was again hyped because I love Nemo almost hinting at the same story again yeah but done just on a slightly different format. Yeah, I, it I, was. It, well, you said just unneeded. Unneeded, and I said that, that one didn't and work almost, for me. Almost kind of wrecked the franchise a wee bit. I mean, it wasn't. The, the thing is, there wasn't any more franchise. Yeah, like, but it kind of ruined any opportunity. And if anything, that's the best thing it did. Yeah, because then it's like shelved forever. Yeah, it's like if they tried to bring out. I'm trying to think of a real good standalone one. Um, Wally. Yeah. Or. Bratatouille. Coco. Coco, yeah. Like all the all the previous mentioned films, they're one and done's. Yep. Ideas. Nemo's very much in that camp. Yeah. It's a complete story in one movie. Why did they yeah. ever feel compelled to try and spin it? Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm with you on that talk as well. I think it might have been just one of those low years in Pixar world, and they just needed something, and nothing was coming to the table, so Aye. they were like, "Dory, bring Dory, it bring it." I even love Dory, bring her back. Yeah. yeah. Didn't didn't go for it at all. Um, second film of the week is. One that's released on the same day as Toy Story 4, which is completely opposite of that, though. It's a film called Child's Play. Mm. And if you've seen the marketing campaign for Child's Play, they've, they've really played mm-hmm. on the fact that Toy Story's out the same week. They've sort of done posters where it's Chucky destroying all the Toy Story toys. Yeah. Which uh, I, I do actually quite like. I quite enjoy it. It only really... It only helps both franchises to drag the adults into both of them. Yes. Like, the kids will never see a Child's Play start no. and be all like oh that's Toy Story they'll never pick up on that so this has been absolute genius by both camps yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately for Child's Play that's the best thing about Child's Play um, directed by Lars Klevberg who directed a film called Polaroid plus a bunch of shots mm-hmm. um, the thought of this film is essentially the Chucky doll mm-hmm. uh, rather than being a demonically possessed doll who goes out killing people it's basically AI gone wrong so Chucky dolls are like all sort of like, like sort of like a basically an Alexa type thing and yes. in, in them that makes it and they can walk and they can talk and everything. But one guy who works in the factory in like I think I'm gonna say Vietnam. It looks like Vietnam, possibly, yeah. don't know. Um boss yells at him, so he turns off all the safety all the safety things on the Alexa and all the the aggression indicators and all the violence things mm-hmm. off of it so it so it can be violent, which begs the question. Why the fuck's there a violence thing yeah. in, a, in a Chucky in, in, a, in a kid's doll? Yeah, you know, 
doesn't make any sense. So anyway, that's the first jump from, you know, the backstory, backstory the yeah. lore of uh, uh, Chucky. Uh, yeah. Um, so Chucky starts to obviously attack people in his world as he as he as he, as he piss them off and he mm. goes on the rampage. And and it's one point, and you can sort of you can kind of tune into other electrical devices, and you can use them against you as well. Cool. Okay. Um, and if you got Aubrey Plaza, who I really like as an actress mm-hmm. from Parts and Recreation, nice. really good actress. Um, Gabriel Bateman plays a young boy mm-hmm. um, who is we'll get to in a minute. Um, Brian Tyree Henry, who's in Widows and Bill Street, and is also in Spider Verse, so big fan of him. And the voice of Chucky this time is done by uh, Mark Hamill. Oh, nice. Not Brad Dourif, who's done it for a long, long time. Um, what's interesting about this film is none of the original creators are involved in the film. Oh. So Tom Holland, not Tom Holland Spider-Man, Tom Holland director. Okay. Who directed the first one? He's not involved in this. Not a writer, not a producer, nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don Mancini, who is a writer producer of all the of all the Chucky films. Again, he's not involved in it. So this is something that I don't know how he's managed. The child had been taken away from them in some way. They must have sold some part of the rights onto it. Yeah. They're also making their own version of Chucky as well. So the rights seemed a bit muddled as to who owns the rights of Chucky. Okay. Um. So I, I was questionable then none of the original people who are involved in the film are, are, are getting involved. It makes you a bit apprehensive towards yeah. it. Um, have they ever been associated with this project? No, or not at no? all. When, they, okay. when it came out, they said, we have nothing to do with one. We have our own Chucky film. I think they're going to have Chucky TV show, sorry. Oh, okay. um, and they've said, we have nothing to do with that. Our, our guide for the new Chucky world is going to be in the, the TV world. Okay. So, I'm kind of glad, though, that they did straight off the bat say, say not, this is not our Chucky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, have you ever seen the Child's Play films? No, I haven't. I think I may have seen the first, first one many, many moons ago. Yeah. But no, and because I'm not a big horror fan, yeah. I very seldomly yeah. dive into that world. I don't find Chelsea's play particularly scary. Okay. Because I don't think he's that scary a character. No, why wouldn't you just run up and kick fuck him? Yes. Um, equally, some of the later ones became more tongue in cheek, kind of like yeah, kind of horror comedy, which I did actually quite enjoy for the sort of the that kind of that that kind of tone of them. Mm. Um, the big problem with this one is, is you've got Chucky who's got batteries. Mm. He's not demonic. He'll be there. Just take the fucking batteries out of the bastard. He's done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's him done. Um, it's exceptionally fun formulaic. Okay. You know, you can see this you can see the story going. If you, you get surprised by anything in this film, you are an idiot. Yeah. If you're running upstairs, you're. I'm expecting you now to die. Yes. Yeah. Um, there is some gore and blood in it, but not enough to satisfy the gore. The gore hounds. Yeah. And probably a little bit too much for those who are not into the Golden Blood. Yeah. You know, and it's, so it's not really that interesting. Is that uh, an 18, yeah? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I'm about 15, actually. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, Just good job um, saying that. It lacks any genuine scares. There's nothing scary about this film whatsoever. Didn't yeah. jump a single time. Um, Chucky isn't... To me, again, Chucky's not a scary character in this film. He, he might be scary in other ones to other people, but in this one, he's particularly not scary. No. Um, the cast are all kind of very unlikable. Okay, so you're wanting them to die now. And you don't really care for them at all. Yeah, yeah, you don't have that same kind of... Oh, like the wee kid in it who's Chucky's owner, he's a bit of a dick, to be honest. Yeah. And you go, why am, I, why am I rooting for you to survive this when you are basically a little prick? <laughs> um, I want you to go first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I really struggled with that. I, I, really, I just didn't feel anybody to root for. Yeah. And also the biggest problem of it is it looks cheap. Oh, no. They've obviously had a budget that maybe they've tried to either stretch the budget too far or mm. budget's been cut at some point mm. but it really seems that they are struggling with the budget on this it looks particularly the finale okay. looks exceptionally cheap mm. and that was a big issue for me as well I can't really hope that this doesn't 
reboot the movie franchise, especially because none of the original guys are attached to it. And I and I can't wait. I really want the TV show from the sounds of it to actually do really yeah, well. Because the guys who made it and wanted it are, are involved in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So unfortunately, Child's Play it's trading on a good name. Yeah. Or, or, or a name that people maybe not a good name, a name that people know. Yeah. But beyond that, it has got exceptionally little. Yeah, I've kind of thought that for a long time about the Halloween franchise. Oh, God, yes. It is one of the few horror movies I can actually sit through because it's more, um, what do you call it, uh, it's more suspense. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. And build up rather than just, like you say, gore fest. Mm. But as peddling that name now. You're oh, just yeah. like, well, just let the guy die. I mean, I, even I mean, the, Hall- the, the newest Halloween was actually not yeah. so bad. Yeah, because it added something to yeah. it. But no, it wasn't great, but it's not bad. But even, like, that's a bit of an exception to the rule because it was kind of done really well. Yeah. Um, but stuff before that's been... I mean, Rob Zombie version Halloween is horrendous. Yeah. 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 Um, aye. So a lot of horror... This, this is the problem that horror films have. Hmm. They are relatively cheap to make. Yeah. The people get scared by one, they start, the name becomes recognition. You know, you look at the Annabelle series, you look yeah. at the Paranormal Activity series, you look yeah. at the, even the Pudge series. Yeah. You know, yeah. all the, every every horror film has, has got a, it's got a longer shelf life because mm. they can make you think, and they can put actors in it who don't have to pay a lot as well. You know, yeah. there's no big stars in these films, so. Exactly. So, and, and they churn out money a lot of times. So I don't know how much Kelly Play cost. I don't know if it'll make its money back, but you know, a lot of these horror films do make their money back because mm. they are relatively cheap to make. I kind of hope though that they that they just don't push for more now. I, I, I can't see it because yeah. from what I've heard, this is die at the box office. Critical response has been unkind to say the least. So mm. I, I can't I can't really see this film going. Mm. It's been a like, rejuvenation of it, which is a real shame, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's always room in the world for good horror. Yeah, and smart horror, and this is not good or smart horror. Yeah, it always blows my mind why uh, horror movies, especially the more kind of seasoned. Um, seasoned like uh, franchises of the genre why they don't try and push more into like your kind of late September October maybe even like on the other end of October release dates I think this was set up it literally was set up as to try and be a uh, uh, the Toy Story 4 so yeah. if, if kids are going to see Toy Story 4 you can come and see Child's Play yeah. and they saw the marketing campaign for that and they jumped on it yeah you know so yeah. I, think that's, I think that basically comes down to out of 10 5 4 so, yeah, very, very average and very, in fact, maybe a little bit below average. Yeah, and so. certainly don't waste your money if you don't have a cinema card. Yes, that yeah. would be, yeah, definitely the, the, the opinion I would have. Nice. Uh, next film, another franchise continuation, uh, because there's nothing original to cinema these days. Um, Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay. Directed by John Watts, who right. directed the Spider-Man Homecoming. So let's just tidy things up first for me, because I do not pay attention. Yeah. Right now, who owns Spider-Man? Is it Marvel? Or is it... Sorry, who owns the Spider-Man movie franchise? Is it Marvel? It's technically still Sony. Sony, okay. But I believe there is some... Obviously, he has appeared in the Marvel Disney yeah. world. Yes. So there is some wrangling over how much they'll be able to continue to do that with him. Yep. Okay? Okay. Um, so it's unclear at this point in time. Okay. How far along he'll go along this, this route. Um. Yeah, so... Plot of this one, it's... Spider-Man Far From Home, he's going on holiday to Europe, <laughs> and while in Europe, all hell breaks loose, Spider-Man's got to save the day, yep. at the same time, he's a teenager, he's trying to make Mary Jane, or sorry, not MJ, MJ yes. fall in love with him, you know, he wants to make MJ be his girlfriend, so it's, it's, it's also your typical boy wanting girl story, Yes. but with Spider-Man and big monsters. Nice. Yeah. 
Um, in the film, you've got Tom Holland playing Spider-Man, who I actually really quite enjoy, both as Spider-Man and as Peter Parker. Is this his first outing? Sec- well, second solo film, but he's also the Spider-Man in Avengers films and also... Yeah, Avengers films, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Civil War as well. Cool. Um, Zendaya, who I believe is a Disney girl. She's in it. She plays MJ. Samuel L. Jackson pops up, obviously, as Nick Fury. Yes. Because we all like Nick Fury. Of course. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal pops up as Mysterio. Cool. Who is pretty much one of the silliest bad guys in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, you've got John Favreau playing Happy Hogan again. And you've also got Marissa Tomei playing the hottest Aunt May you could possibly imagine. It's wonderful. <laughs> um, you've not seen Endgame yet, have you? No. No. <laughs> so, this is definitely a palate cleanser from Endgame. Because Endgame, cool. Endgame is dark. Yeah. Endgame is brutal. Yeah. Endgame kills fuckers left, right, centre. You know, Endgame has got some. Endgame is the Game of Thrones of the Marvel series. Maybe not quite as <laughs> as many as that, but Endgame definitely bodies on the field. Okay. Right, okay. So there is a definite darkness and, and sadness to mm. Endgame because they're quite openly admitted at the very start of it. Like, there were certain characters who, if they didn't die, it's still going to be their last outing. Mm. You know, so your Brian Jordan Jr., your Chris Evans, your Scarlett Johansson's, Mark Ruffalo's. These guys are saying, "This is all. This is their last out. They're not going to back this. They're, they're we're moving them off the Marvel page, mm. and we're going with a sort of kind of like you think with Toy Story Four. Yes, they're sort of rejuvenating the franchise. They're trying to push it in different directions. They're bringing in new people to, to take over the roles. Cool. Take over the, the, the sort of the, the, the front door roles. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this one has to be a little bit lighter. It, is, it, it has got darkness because there's stuff. There's stuff that happens in Endgame that directly affects Spider Man, and he's trying to deal with that. And okay. they have the, the moments of that. But also, it's quite playful. It's fun. It's the way a Spider-Man film should be. Yeah, yeah. Supposed to be fun. They've always had that kind of lighter tone. They've n- they have, see. This is the problem. The Homecoming the ones that I've seen. Homecoming did definitely. Yeah. Spider-Man one had it. Mm-hmm. The, the one with um, Tony Wire. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man two had moments of it, but it got quite dark. Spider-Man three didn't really have it. And I would say that was a big problem lacking in the Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man two. There was a real mm. lack of any sort of lightness to those mm. films. Um, this one's got it in spades. It feels more like a like National Lampoon European vacation. Yeah, that's, what I, that's why I was smiling when you told me that he goes a jolly off to Europe. That's yeah. all that was going through my yeah, head. Was, yeah. This is like National Lampoon's. <laughs> or even if you remember the film, I think I think you have it on in Blu-ray as well, or DVD as well. Is a uh, road trip, Euro trip. Yeah, remember the one Euro trip. Yeah, it's like it's sort of it has that kind of vibe to it. You know, you just sort of see. Now I just want to see Hulk in Hawaii. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I see now. Um, so it, it's definitely more play, definitely more fun. Um, it keeps in a nice human element as well which I think you talked about DC earlier on I think DC something forgets the human element yes very much boils down to yes there's big world changing events in it yes there's big monsters taking over cities mm-hmm. yes Spider-Man's got to stop them but fundamentally it's a film about Peter Parker wants to tell a girl that he likes her yeah, yeah. and he really worries about the fact that a girl might not like him mm. and when you can boil a film down to that that's Really, that, that that's what the interesting part of this film is. Yeah, the Spider-Man stuff is great. And it's fun. And it's amazing to see, but you get, you get real heart to the characters there. Mm. You've also got a little bit of a romance between um, Happy Hogan, John Favreau, and Aunt May, mm. and it's Peter trying to kind of figure out that as well, which mm. is quite it's nice yeah, as well. Yeah. So there's it's 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 the it's the human aspects of characters that make this really interesting. It's no. not the, the CGI, which is. But the, the action stuff is totally fine and, yeah. and absolutely fun. But we've all seen that stuff. We've seen that kind of stuff. You've got, I, I've always said about the Iron Man films, the best thing about the Iron Man films isn't Iron Man, it's Tony Stark. Yes. If you make an interesting Tony Stark film, make an interesting Iron Man film. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, same with the Cap films, same with the Hulk films, same with all the films. You've got to make them interesting to make the superhero guys yeah. interesting. 
Um, this has got problems. Um, my intrad dropped a little bit when it was when the spidey stuff because it just again it's a guy in a suit. You don't it doesn't I don't have the connection to it. It's brilliant. I love Spider Man, so I love seeing it on big screen. But I really yeah, and because the stuff between Tom Holland and Zendaya, who have got really good chemistry, was so good. Can mm. you just like, like why don't you just put them back together? Let me see them do more of the kind of the, the weird flirtation they've got. Or, you know yeah. that made it. That's what I want to see more of. Yeah. Um, some of the CGI bits are, are they all look good. But it becomes a little too much like a video game. Mm. You feel like you're watching a video game cutscene. It's like hit him with a boulder, hit him with another boulder, hit him again. Oh, that stunned him. Hit him again. Hit him again. So it, it's almost like boss levels. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it feels like, and I always think the most boring part of any video game is the boss part because you're just standing or, there or watching someone else play it. Okay. You yeah. know, I'd, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like I know e-gaming is very big right now, but I think it's completely <laughs> dull to watch somebody else play a video game. I need to reevaluate my life. No, I, I, I am. I'm, I am I'm in the minority of this right now, but I don't like watching other people with video games. I'm mm. actually play the fucker myself. I'd hate, I'd be like, oh, he's probably, can you finish with it? Give me a shout. Yeah, yeah. But I just don't want to, so when I'm watching, going like, I feel like I'm watching some kid playing a Spider Man video game at mm. times. Um, but that's, it's a minor thing. It still works. They make Mysterio, who is, like I say, one of the stupidest bad guys in the Marvel Universe, they make him really fun, really interesting, cool. and they make him a believable but, um, sort of character yeah. in the film, you know, so. And he's not necessarily a villain. He's, he's, he's an interesting, got some depth to him as a character, which I think, again, works really well. Um, there's some, there's a, there's a cutscene, you know, Marvel's good for its cutscenes at the end. Yes. There's one in this one, midway through the, the credits. Okay. Which had the cinema cheering. Oh, wow. Like, genuinely, cinema oh. applauding. Tell me off, Mike. I'll tell you off, Mike, what it was, but it was genuinely, I was one of those who was cheering and happy with it. Have they started doing this a lot now, where they've uh, where they put them halfway through the credits? They do. What they tend to tell you is that if it comes halfway through, mm. it's important. Oh. It will have something to do with the upcoming universe. Yes. If it happens at the end, it's usually for a fun thing. Ah, okay, cool. Something to be silly with. Yeah. yeah. Um, this film uh, does a really good job of balancing being a Spider-Man film and also pushing the universe on. Oh, nice. Which I thought was good because yeah, yeah. there's been a few that have come out. I think Thor: Dark World was one. Um, one of the Ant-Man ones was Ant-Man Wasp I think is one as well where they became more concerned with pushing the world forward yep. they forgot to be quite as interesting a film on its own merits yeah, yeah. okay so this, this does well with this one um, but honestly in a bleak blockbuster season which so far has been pretty pretty yeah. dull yeah nothing being tell you the fact you've not seen much you've no interest in going to see because no. nothing really inspires you to go and see I know and it has been a combination of being busy at work which is fair play but a lot of things haven't been making me go. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah, and you've not really heard anybody go right. You've got to see this film. Yeah. you have to see this film. And yeah, that's the biggest problem because yeah. a lot of the time between yourself and Colin, and generally just the way the internet speaks about movies, yeah. I have been struggling. If you had someone one of us go, you have to see this film. It's one of the best films for a long time. You would probably find a way to try and see mm. it. Absolutely. But you've not had that. Um, with that, seven and a half out of ten. Okay. Like thoroughly enjoyable. Yes. Not bad. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, on the last film, one that amazingly has taken me this long for time to see, I think your good lady saw it about a month ago. Yeah, I think she did, yeah. Which is uh, Rocket Man. Yeah. Directed by Dexter Fletcher, mm-hmm. who directed Eddie the Eagle. Yes. And also Sunshine on Leaf. Nice. Which is one of my favourite films. Yes. Other people, yeah. it's very odd people think that about me, but yes, it is one of my favourite movies. <laughs> um, plot of this film is essentially the fantasy biopic of Elton John. Yes. It's very much not... A straightforward biopic. It's not really. No. It, it's got a lot more fantastical elements of it. I would describe it as 
if you imagine a musical about Elton John hmm. being brought to the big screen? Well, never say never. I think this is maybe where he's thought about it. Absolutely. Yeah. It, def- it definitely feels like that could be it. Um, and this time you've got Taron Egerton playing yes. Elton John, the boy yeah. from Kingsman and Robin Hood, who was in recently as well, wasn't he? Ah, he was, yeah. He's in that. Uh, Jimmy Bell, better known obviously as Billy Elliot, mm. plays, I want to say, is it Bernie? I can't remember the guy's full name, but it's Bernie something. The song, the, 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 the lyricist. Okay. So Elton John's the musician, Bernie was uh, the lyricist, he, he, wrote all the, he wrote all the lyrics. Um, he plays him. Uh, Richard Madden from, I think, The Bodyguard on BBC. He plays, he plays Elton John's first boyfriend and manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, who I didn't recognise at the very end, plays his mum. Okay. And I like Bryce Dallas Howard, because like a redhead. And Stephen Graham plays like sort of an early sort of like promoter. Cool. Like, Stephen Graham, you know, from a hundred different things. Um, and what we know about this is the fact that Elton John himself has had a very heavy hand in it all. Yes. Uh, even, did he... Uh, did he write the script? I know no, it, I didn't write no, the script, no. But he's just been like an executive producer. Constant, um, I think, um, hand in movie, perhaps. Because originally it was meant to be... Oh, fuck, what's that guy's name again? The fella that... Oh, wait, am I getting this mixed up with Queen? Possibly, possibly could be. You're thinking it was um, Ali G? Aye. He was going to play Freddie Mercury. Aye. And he he moved away. Yeah, yeah. No, this one's different. Okay. And this, and this is the film I would. This is the film that people are going to compare this to. Is this is this Bohemian Rhapsody? Hmm. The answer is no. It's infinitely better than Bohemian Rhapsody because I did not like Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, you're not the biggest Queen fan either. I no, I do like Queen. I oh, enjoy Queen. Okay. I just thought Bohemian Rhapsody was a shit film. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a bad movie generally. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh. Um, <laughs> so this is not. This is. It's a very inventive and fun fantasy biopic it's, yeah. it's not strictly factual I'm sure there's a lot of stuff in it that's been missed out a lot of stuff maybe has been heightened but for good reason I think it, it flows better as a movie well that's what I was going to say I'm more than happy for that kind of stuff uh, one prime example that's jumped into my head is um, 24 Hour Party People yep. the story about the Happy Mondays the Hacienda and ultimately um, the record label yeah. now I'm assuming that a lot of that is true but there's elements of fantasy, and like you said, it makes the story work so yeah. much better. Because, as we all know, when it comes to rock and roll, you love a good story. Yeah. And I think with Elton John, Elton John, Elton John is a character who is... He's a larger-than-life guy. He's a character. There is some stuff in his life that is almost too unbelievable, too unbelievable, too unbelievable to be real, but yeah. maybe is real. Yeah. So you throw in some random, you go, I don't know if that's real or not, but it, it honestly, it doesn't matter. It mm. adds to the legend, it adds to you know this, this character, who he is. Um, and do you do you think sorry, do you think it's maybe because Elton himself has had a heavy hand on it, and also because he's alive, that maybe he's allowed it to be a bit more kind of like easy, free flowing, but still hitting the major points of his life. Whereas someone like Fred Mercury, where he's no longer with us now, they have to be very careful about his image and the way they portray him, because they can't defend himself. No, I think I think the biggest issue with this is fundamentally an audience perception of the of the person. Okay. I think that I think that Freddie Mercury's fan base, who they're appealing to, do not want to see Freddie Mercury as gay. Okay. They do not want to embrace his gay lifestyle mm. his, and his gay persona. Which it was pretty fucking hardcore. It's yeah, like, but in the film it's not. Yeah, even if you take the small snippet that's in the movie, which is toned down. Well, toned down. You can see that. There was a lot of debauchery. Oh yeah, El- I mean, Freddie Mercury's debauchery is well known yeah. throughout, you know, rock and roll history. It's yeah. some of the most insane parties of all time, apparently. 
they do not watch your. They're showing this film to the people who are in their fifties and sixties who just remember Queen with their kids, yeah, and want to see, want to hear, you know, Radio Gaga again. Mm. They don't want to embrace the fact that Freddie Mercury was this. So they did people like to turn that down, and almost to the point where the only genuinely happy relationship that in that Bohemian Rhapsody film is a film is a, a relationship he has with like a girl who he gets engaged to, also yeah. doesn't marry. Yeah, you know, the only gay relationship in that film for the most part is a is a negative one. Mm. You know, he doesn't find sort of happiness in his gay lifestyle until the final fucking two minutes of the film. I know. You know, so that's what I probably... Whereas people... Elton John's homosexuality has been very much up front and his fan base have always sort of embraced that yes. and have never really shied away from it. Yeah. So when they put a film out about, about, about him, mm. they don't have to sort of pretend he's not. And almost they can they can make a point of trying to hide it in the film because, as, as, a, as a plot point to be like, so, like, why... that To make this guy... To make the guy who tried to hide it bad and you mm. go like why would you try and hide who this man is you know that kind of thing so they can use it in a better way yeah and I think that's the fundamental difference between it okay also I think A I think the boy Egan's a better actor than Rami Malek okay he is not doing an Elton John impression he is bringing an ethos of who Elton John is to yep. his own character oh nice so he's not aping him he's not copying him he's not he doesn't really look like him at all to be honest yeah which I think works absolutely fine okay you get him you get Elton going like okay you're Elton John I'll go with that yeah you know, wear the glasses, be a bit awkward. Yeah. You're Elton John. I'm yeah. happy with that. I'm okay with that. Whereas Ryan Malik seemed to want to be like, so I'm not going to keep doing it Ryan Malik, but I just don't think it's a great performance. He sort of just had behind the teeth, the hair, and sort of done that dodgy voice. And done the dance moves. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. He didn't sing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, this, because it feels like an adapted stage musical, it gives them a lot more scope to be a bit more sort of inventive with what they're doing. So you have moments where. The whole crowd are literally floating there because they always said that's what it felt like when you're playing the Trouble for the first time. Yeah. So you can bring in these fan fantasy elements of it. Yeah. If you've seen Sunshine on Leaf, which I don't know if you have or not. I think I have on your recommendation. Yeah, I, I love that film. Yeah. yeah. Um you can see that he's he's cutting his teeth on that with ideas that he can bring into this and he does bring okay. it in at a bigger scale in this. Oh nice. Um some of the like the um Saturday night's all right for fighting mm-hmm. um musical number, really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, the I'm still standing as well really fun yeah. really well done the biggest thing as well with this one is I think the Queen one was determined to just hit the fucking Queen beats mm. right you've got to hit these songs that everyone knows yeah this one doesn't do that it, it, it brings the songs in that tell the story as opposed to telling this hitting the beats you know they have yeah. a few obviously some big hits are in there but there's also some really kind of odd out there and you go I've heard that song before okay you know, but it tells it's an Elton John song. It tells a story, and yeah. I think that works a lot better. You know, and it makes it, it makes the film more narratively interesting. Okay, cool. I feel like compared now to actually watch it because I was kind of just passing it by and just let my missus go and see it with our pals because yeah. I wasn't an Elton John fan. Yeah, but, yeah. I know a couple of songs. I enjoy a couple of songs, yeah. but for the most part, I feel this film would be wasted on yeah. me. But now that I feel it, it kind of leans in both worlds of fat, uh, fact and faction. Yeah. I feel like. I'd maybe actually enjoy it. Yeah, I think you would. And I'm, like, I'm by all means a huge Elton John fan. I can only name maybe a, a handful of songs as well. Um, and one of the songs, in fact, is Pinball Wizards, which I, I always mm. assume is a Who song. Mm. Apparently it's not. Apparently it's an Elton John song. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I, again, really, I really embraced it. I really enjoyed it. And it made me, it made me feel good watching it. Mm. And it touched some really good stuff. Um, it does bother at times on getting into the biopic territory. You know, you see this, you know, this the standard biopic stuff. Yeah. But it mostly shies away from it okay. which I think works so cool. it's not just a standard biopic which I think is a really important um, 
sort of distinction between it and say all the other biopics for music come out, musicians that come out recently. Yes, of course. That it's, it isn't a strictly biopic. It's very much a musical. Yeah. It's a musical celebrating Elton John. Which the man would want nothing less. Yes, exactly. You know? um, yeah, so out of, um, out of 10, 7.5 out of 10. Oh, nice. Again, really enjoyed it. Really yeah. enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Cool, good. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give that. So it's been not a bad week this week, apart yeah, from yeah. I would play. Um, we'll tell you where to find us. All the usual hunts, people. Yeah. Uh, all the usual social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Three Beers in a Movie. Thank you very much. Um, next week, we have got out, well, still out is Yesterday, which I keep meaning to go and see. It's the one about the Beatles. Oh, yeah. Where the guy, yesterday? Yesterday, yeah. yeah. Where the guy gets a bump in the head. No, mm. everyone else gets a bump in the head, essentially, and they all forget the Beatles, and he's the one who remembers the Beatles and uses that to try and make a fame and fortune. Yes, but he's like, as far as I'm aware from the story, he's a struggling busker. Yes. Like you said, everyone gets a bump on the head, forgets the Beatles existed. He's the only one that remembers the songs. Mm. He starts incorporating them into his own music. Yep. Everyone starts loving them, and then suddenly it blows yeah. up. So you take the idea of the, these, the songs of regards of what era they come in would be important. So they're actually saying the, the song is bigger than the singer. Mm. Whereas I always think something the singer is bigger than the song. Yeah. So anyway, interesting to see yeah, where it goes. interesting take on it. It's uh, Danny Boyle directing the Richard Curtis script. I like Danny Boyle mostly. I, like, I actually quite a soft of Richard Curtis when yeah. it comes to his writing. So I'm quite intrigued to see it. Um, what all, I, sorry, what I've heard is nothing but good things about this. Like, apparently it's like really kind of good, family, light-hearted movie. Oh, so, yeah, I think I think you will enjoy it. Cool, I look forward yeah. to this one. Um, also out is Midsummer, which looks... It's from the guy who done Hereditary last year. Right, okay. So it, it looks like it's teenagers or young adults going away to a... So up to Finland or something. I think it's Finland or Norway, oh. where the sun doesn't set for, like a, for a big festival... And it looks like it's got a kind of wicker manny feel about it, possibly. Okay. Maybe a little, you know, kind of, you know, um, cabin fevery type thing about it. Right. Um, culty thing about it. It looks the trailer looks. The trailer doesn't give anything away, and I don't know what it is, but I know I'll fucking want to see what it's going to. I want to see what's going to happen in it. That's a good trailer. That's yeah. the trailers we want instead yeah. of a, a highlight reel of the movie. Yeah, I mean, Hereditary done the same thing. Hereditary made me want to see it. when I saw the film Hereditary. I was a bit underwhelmed by it. Mm. But this one again, it looks very interesting, so I'm really intrigued to see it. There was a movie a few years back, and I was told to watch it, but then I was told it was also quite a scary movie, and it was set in that part of the world. It was like boys going into the woods or something. The ritual? Yeah, it might have been. That's one I think it's um, basically these guys go and it's. I terrified me because there's a monster in that movie that I used to have nightmares about. Oh. <laughs> when I was about between about the age of eight and about sixteen. Oh, okay. And. It's not an, it's not it's not a monster that exists from what I'm aware exists in the literature that I would have read about. Okay. And when it came on screen, yeah, you knew exactly what it was. And I absolutely shit myself because yeah. it's like I had nightmares about that thing. Yeah. And I don't know where it came from in my head when I was eight years old. Cause I didn't remember seeing anything about it. Mm. So the ritual, good films on Netflix. Yeah. Um. Also, this week is Anna, okay. which is sort of look best on female assassin oh so yeah this is in the same milk as Lucy isn't yes it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, same, same direct isn't it don't seem to, I know Luke Besson was involved in it but I don't okay. know how much I don't did they look like Besson on direct um, Lucy I can't oh, remember anyway it's the same elk isn't it? elk yes yeah, most yeah. definitely same elk pretty much a female John Wick really yeah essentially yeah, yeah. Um, also Robert the Bruce is out as well oh nice which is Angus McFadden's follow up to Braveheart you know, 25 years after anyone really <laughs> Three beers and a movie.